Welcome to Elan Restoration Fellowship, where Jesus is King, HaMelech, Lord, Hashem, and Messiah, Mashiach. And now, Pastor Billy Elias. Our study into the book of Revelation, we are beginning chapter 2, believe it or not. So after, what, six or seven weeks, we have left chapter 1, and we are now in chapter Two. Okay, so um, before we get started, we are going to kind of just jump right into this. I would like to reread re- something in Revelation chapter 1 verse 4 because when you, if you were to look at the book of Revelation in a, like a 3D model, it matches what is said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, and I'm going to read it to you so you can understand where we are about to go, okay? So, in 1, verse 4, from Yohanan to the seven messianic communities in the province of Asia, grace and shalom to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come. So, and then he talks about the sevenfold spirit before his throne. We're going to get into all of that at a different time. But who was, who is, and who is to come. Now, what we have to understand in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, that's what was. We have a lot in chapter 1. We have a lot of the Messiah explaining who he is to the churches, explaining how he's always been. He uses the word Aleph and the term Aleph because he was at the beginning. He even calls himself, if you remember, Ami Aleph, meaning I am the beginning as is in a name, not as like I was at the beginning. I am the beginning as if he's using it in, in, in the form of a noun. So he's going about what was. This is the only chapter in what is. Everything after this is going to be what will be. But this is God now saying, we know what it was in chapter 1. Now we're going to talk about what it is in chapter 2. And it's so interesting because obviously... You know, when this was written, there was no chapter and verse, but this just jumps, really does. It just kind of jumps right in because it starts to the angel of the Messianic community. Um, So it's to the angel of the assembly. But in this particular case, what's interesting is the word means audience. So in chapter one, we saw a lot of... John addressing the assemblies or the communities, if you remember, right? He addresses the assembly, he addresses the community, but now he's addressing the audience. Because what has just happened is John is now gone from receiving what he's supposed to do to write down this vision that he's having And it's going to go to the seven churches, but it's going to go to an entire audience. It's going to go beyond the seven churches. It's not meant to stay 
with the seven churches. And I want to remind you that he had to write this letter seven times because each church got a copy of this particular vision. So they all saw what the God was saying to each other. And I think it's important. And one of the things, the reason why I, I, I wanted to start with this with um, Revelation chapter 2, to the angel, okay, is because in chapter 1, he was speaking about, if you remember, he God showed him the seven stars in the hands with the seven angels, and the lampstands were the seven churches. And you'll see in chapter 2 in a minute, when he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, he reminds them that, remember, the seven stars, the seven lampstands. But in this particular case, when he writes to the angel of the Messianic community, he then says, katav, right, meaning to write. So now he's writing to the messenger of the Messianic churches, which is what? The leaders, more specifically the rabbis. Those seven men that were chosen to lead those congregations. Because that, my friends, is who we are today. We are not the heavenly messenger, which we know as angels. We are the earthly messenger, which we know as ambassadors. So our job is to carry this message in word and in deed. It's that simple. Deed first, word second. So when we talk about the audience, right, we have to establish now that the, and this is the problem with translating English, okay, because it's understood in Hebrew that at this point, John is writing to the rabbis. Okay. Okay, where in chapter one, he was writing to, or he wasn't, it, the angels actually were overseeing it. So let's talk about what it means to write to the audience. Now, John mentions in chapter two, four assemblies. Okay. And these are important because this is where we're going to draw everything together for tonight anyway. So John mentions four assemblies in chapter two. First one is Ephesus. And verses 1 through 7. The second one is Smyrna. And verses 8 through 11. The third one is Pergamum. And verses 12 through 17. And Thyatira verses 18 to 29. Now one of the things that you will see and you will notice as you read through is, is Hashem is always, and we know this, is a God of order. Amen. All right. I mean, that's what the Seder is, order. He's a God of order. That's what the tabernacle is. Creation was done in order. He doesn't change his mind midstream. Okay. He is a God of order. So his order was A, to introduce himself to that particular church in a way that they would understand him. This wasn't a universal greeting. So that's important for us to understand as we begin to read through chapter two. He's speaking to each church in the situation and in the language 
and in the environment and the culture that they are living in. He's speaking to them in the way they have grown and what they have done. That's important. That's very important because we're going to see later how when he speaks to each church, he's telling them about two parts of the Jewish, what we call the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the book of the prophets, and the book of the writings. So now we're talking, you'll, you'll see how here Hashem starts to speak to the, the churches in a prophetic tone using his poetic language. And you're going to see this. So he introduces himself. He gives them the familiarity that they have with him, that intimacy that they search for in him. He praises them and their strengths. Mm -hmm. And then he warns them. But he doesn't just warn them. He says, if I will do this. He gives them a warning, but he gives them consequence. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Revelation chapter 2 is where we are today. It is, it is the what is in the 3D model. We may know what, what is, he's showing us what will be, what will come, but we're not there. The church, I hate to say that, Christendom today is still in chapter 2 and has been since the resurrection and the ascension of the Messiah. We have not gotten past this. So the message in here is relevant to the worldwide Christian church. So in Hashem's introduction of himself, you see I have it written down, he relates to each audience in the way that they have known him. And it is specific to all believers in that town or city. And he starts to speak to them about the Tanakh. So his audience to Ephesus, he begins it with, here is the message from one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold menorahs. Then he says in verse 2, I know. He knows. So if you go to now, to, uh, to uh, Revelation 2, verse 7, mm -hmm. to Smyrna. And then you go to verse 8. Here is the message from the first and the last who died and came alive again. And he continues, I know. And then we go to Pergamum. In verse 12. Here is the message from the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword... I know. And to Thyatira, in verse 18, here is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like a fiery flame, and whose feet are like burnished brass, I know. 
So if you look at the introductions, he speaks to each church in a completely different way. In one church in Ephesus, it seems that he's being more proper. Let's remember that I'm the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The stars were the angels and walks among the seven golden menorahs and the menorahs were those seven messianic assemblies. So the one with the angels walks. He's being very familiar. His description to Ephesus is very familiar. Right? And then when we look at what he says to Smyrna, it's a little different. He says to Smyrna, here is the message from the first and the last who died and came alive again. Here he's speaking to them more intimately and less formal. He's saying, yeah, remember, I am Aleph and I am Tau. I'm the one that died on the cross and was brought back to life. I was brought alive again. Then to Pergamum, here is the message from the one who has what? The sharp, double-edged sword. Why? Because they're the ones that are in the word and are teetering. The word is sharp, and it cuts through. And then, of course, to Thyatira, he says what? Here's a message from who? The Son of God, whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like burnished brass. It's like he's talking to them in an old, familiar way, like the Ancient of Days. So what we're going to see is each one of these greetings has very specific meaning that comes from the Old Testament. But the first thing I want to look at is the phrase, I know. I know. The, the Hebrew is yadari. And that's how you say it. Yadati. Yadati. It's made up of two words, the root of which is hand, the yod, and the second is one of the words for time, like a hand of time. You see, the et is the hand of time, not like the et, this is ett, it's a different way of saying it. Um, because it's ayin and not the olive, but it's yadati, the hand of time. The hand of time is speaking by saying, I know. What does he know? Well, he's the hand of time. Everything. You see? But when he's talking about his hand in this particular case, the hand of time was the one that wrote from the beginning. He's speaking about the written word that was first given to Moses and was now being given to John the same exact way. He's talking about the written Torah that founded creation of heaven and earth. In the beginning was 
the word, and we talked about this last week, but we go a little deeper as to say when God said in Revelation in Genesis 1-3, and God said, what did he say? He spoke Torah. He spoke the words of Torah. He spoke the intelligible language that we know today as Hebrew. That's why he goes out of his way to say, I am the Aleph and the Tau. Yes, the beginning and the end, but we lose it because he's, what he's actually saying is, I am the Hebrew alphabet. Because that's right. Remember we talked about the Aleph and the Tau is the abbreviation for the Hebrew alphabet. He is those spoken words. So now, because the word is going forth in a written form from John, just like he gave it to Moses, he's telling them, I know. Not only does he know what we would say in our minds, but the word is saying, I know because I wrote it before the foundation of heaven and earth. All of this was done before the foundation of heaven and earth. That's how I know, because my hand not only created it, but I wrote it. Which is why, again, I'm beating a dead horse. Matthew 5, 17 and 18, nothing shall pass away, not a yod or a stroke, until I am finished with my calling. So he's reminding them in the I know, which of course is followed, I know what you've done, but I also know what you're doing. And we're going to explain that. But I want you to understand that at this point, he's talking about he is the author, Paul says it, and perfecter of faith. But he literally writes it down. So when we go and take the Old Testament, the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim, and we say it's no good, what we're saying is the very book that God himself wrote and gave to Moses, you're now telling us that it has expired. I didn't know God had an expiration date on anything. You see? Think about this. Is there an expiration date on forgiveness? No. No. Is there an expiration date on unforgiveness? No. Why do you think people perish? Because there's no expiration date. You love or you don't. He forgives you or he can't. Because you won't accept him. No expiration date. God does not deal in pieces and parts. So again, the word is made of hand, yadari, which means I know, right? Is hand and it's time. We know that his knowledge is endless. And here's the big thing. His intimacy is without fail. So many times when we look at the Hebrew letter Yod, or the hand, it's the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, right? But it's always symbolic of the hand of love. I'm not talking, I'm not talking like gypsy and um, what do you call it, hippie love, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the real hand of love, the hand that holds, 
the hand that comforts, the hand that caresses, the hand that draws you in, the hand that was pierced on the cross, the hand that heals, the hand that holds. It's the intimacy of God. So when he's speaking to these churches and he says, I know we have an awful English way of understanding what he means. He's not only saying, I know because I wrote it. He's also saying, I know because I love you. I know what you're going through and I'm telling you what's going on and I'm telling you, you need to do this better and you need to stop this because you're going to leave me no choice but to remove my lampstand from you. That's like the phrase, be in the know. I'm telling you right now, Christendom is not in the know. Half of the globe listens to a man in Rome and whatever he says trumps the word of God. I want you to ponder that thought for a moment. Half of the globe. Catholicism is not only the biggest corporation in, in, ever in the history of the earth, but it's the biggest church denomination. I don't even want to call it what it is what it is. It's the biggest denomination. And whatever that man says trumps everything else. People who have no idea don't know the first thing about Jesus, the Messiah, and what he did, and, and all and redemption and grace will hang yeah. on that man's every word. Yeah. So I want to talk about the Tanakh. When God speaks to the four churches in chapter 2 as a way of introduction, he gives them a description. Let's remember what was the only scripture that they had that they would understand at this moment when John is getting his vision. The Old Testament. So at this point, if the four churches, actually we know there will be seven churches, are to understand what Hashem is saying to them, they need to understand what? The Old Testament, the Tanakh. They have to. Because if they don't understand the Tanakh, then what are they going to lose? Their lampstand. They're going to lose the menorah. I want you to think, try to grasp that one. When the rabbi of these seven congregations reads the letter and God's flat out says, and if you guys can't do this, I'm going to remove my light from you. Now, sidebar, like you see in a courtroom, this does not mean salvation is being removed. Okay? What it means is there, no one can remove salvation. Just like there's no expiration date on forgiveness, there's no expiration on salvation. Once saved, always saved. To say anything else, let's say that God abandons people, and we already know that he doesn't. Okay? He doesn't forsake, in any, forsake anybody. What it means is he takes his light and you just wander in the dark. Hoo -hoo. He didn't say, 
kick them out because they're not saved. He said they refuse to work in the light. And for me to judge their salvation, I can't do it. Only God can. But guess what? He's pulling his light. Pastor Billy will continue his message in just a moment. If you would like more information about sermon series, books, and other study materials, you can call us at 732-314-1956. Or you can email us at elanrestoration at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook for Shabbat and service times. And now we conclude today's message with Pastor Billy. Why do you think Jesus said you shall know them by their fruits? You can't judge. I can't judge. But here's the thing. These seven churches were given a warning. How many churches today has God pulled his light from and has allowed them to just continue to function in the darkness? Because I'm going to tell you something right now. When darkness gets a foothold in your church because leaders compromise righteousness and cannot stand for what the truth of the word is once that darkness comes light and darkness can't share the same place understand that the darker it becomes in a body filled of people that are supposed to be believers the more the light is removed and it's not that god's removing he's saying what your actions and what you're saying are showing me is that you don't want me. And just like the word Yadadi is not only, not only is he saying, I wrote these words down before the foundation of the earth, but you're rejecting them, but you are also, what's the that, that old saying? Biting the hand that feeds you. You've been listening to Pastor Billy Elias. Pastor Billy is the founder and pastor of Elon Restoration Fellowship in Toms River, New Jersey. Join us again as Pastor Billy bridges the gap between the old and new covenants. And as always, may the Lord bless you with peace. Yeah,